Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, children, sports fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, colors, creeds. Uh, you know what? Uh, take back shapes. No parallelograms, please. Get out if that's what you're into. Uh, this is the Oilers Rig Radio Podcast. We're here to talk about free agent. I was about to say Friday, but I think today is actually Saturday. In any case, it's free agent day. Uh, welcome. Let's let's introduce the other contributors. Avery, uh, just who the heck are you? Who the heck am I? As per usual, I am everybody's favorite token black man in the city of Edmonton. I can be found on the Hockey News, Yahoo Sports, your mom's bedroom, and many other facilities. Oh, <laughs> many wow. other areas of life. Oh, you <laughs> stepped it up. This time I was going to say my mom listened and agrees that you love, but you went too far, Avery. Oh. <laughs> I didn't say what I was. I didn't say what I was, I was in, in there for. Couldn't be it for any reason. I, you, he you implied more. Avery's a very talented decorator in his spare time when he's not sportscasting. And <laughs> and Megan, uh, which one of my parents are you associated with? Um, none of them. Oh man. I mean, I've met both of your parents, and they seem like oh, lovely people. You actually, um, you have, and they are. Yeah, yeah, they seem they seem like lovely people. Um, my name's Megan, and I teach high school, and I'm on holidays, and uh, that's about it. Well, that's the dream. Must be nice to be a teacher. Hey, I only work in ten months of the year. Just kidding. Yeah, I, I'm uh, not taking you- that break today. You folks at home uh, couldn't see the video feed, but uh, worth it. Worth it. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, yeah, as we've already touched on, it's free agent day, and there's like um, thousands of uh, free agent signings. Um, before, do you, what do you think? Should we like start listing the signings? Or I, I think before we even start naming the, the, the signings, we got to talk about not just what's happened. Ah, there's, there's so much. I got two things to say. One is there's something that's happening this year that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's what I've been calling for for years. And that is we're seeing, I think, the beginning of the end of the mid-tier player, um, which at the cap where it is right now, basically anyone who makes kind of three to five million dollars, teams are saying, I don't want to pay anyone three to five million dollars. I either want to be paying stars or I want uh, underpriced depth players, mid-tier uh, and uh, we see that expressed in um, very decent RFAs who had either good or, in some cases, very good years. Like Daniel Strong jumps to mind. He had a great year. He did not get qualified because his team said, oh, we, I mean, presumably they'd be happy to have him back, but they don't want to give him the raise that his qualifying offer uh, would demand. So we're seeing, uh, like last year, I think there was three or four pretty good um uh, RFAs that didn't get qualified, and this year there's at least 10 good good ones who didn't get qualified. Uh, so that's the first interesting thing, and that's the part that makes sense. And there's also been, I don't remember the last time I've seen more moves that I have no explanation for. I don't even want to say that I think they're stupid. I am absolutely baffled as to why they happened. I, found, I have found so far the trade market to be wildly inconsistent player to player, uh, one guy will go for something, and a very comparable player will go for a lot more or a lot less. Um, and then a couple moves, I have no idea. I, the rights to Clem Clostin, uh, or Costin are just not worth buying somebody out for someone else. Even though Yamamoto had a small buyout, I just can't figure out why Detroit did that. Uh, I can't figure out how Ryan Johansson was able to get traded for retention, but Matt Duchesne, who in my opinion is a much better player, uh, they couldn't 
get anybody to take that at retention. I am, I'm just confused. Uh, I could keep, I don't understand how Tyler Toffoli was worth so little. He's on a very good contract. Also, why didn't the Flames just retain? They should have been able to get actually a pretty good haul. Um, uh, there's a ton I'm confused by. Uh, Megan, any thoughts on either of those things? Um, my thought about the cost and Yamamoto thing is that the Red Wings wanted Costin's rights. Uh, and Kenny said, sure, but you got to take Kyler off our hands too. Um, and I think that's what happened. I can't, there's no logical explanation for that trade otherwise. So I, sure. it, I feel like that's got to be what happened. So somehow, uh, the Red Wings owed Kenny a favor and, uh, oh, I, yeah, tweeted, no. I tweeted yeah. about it yesterday and I was like, Hey, let's put Kenny in the hall. That's the best move he's made since he's been here. Yeah, no, definitely. That has to be the thinking that, okay, we'll buy out Yamamoto for you if you give us the rights to cost. But that means that now cost, like, I don't have Yamamoto's buyout in front of me. I know because he was under 25, it is a cheaper buyout. But um, that's still, like, now you're paying essentially cost in $2.85 million, and he's just clearly not worth that. So, um, I mean, you could debate whether he's worth the two that they're giving him. But once you factor in what they had to spend on... Uh, Yamamoto's buyout, it just becomes a really strange deal. And I'll even add, I don't understand why Yamamoto had to get bought out at all. He's only got one year left and I'm glad to have traded him. I'm not, I don't think he was worth the, the money that he was getting, but I don't, he's not any worse than uh, Corey Perry or uh, Foligno, so, which Chicago is happily paying $4 million to. I'm surprised that someone like Chicago, I'm honestly surprised that someone like Detroit who's got lots of open roster spots, didn't say, well, we'll try you for a year, and if we don't like you, we'll just let you go. Basically exactly what Carolina did with Pooley Yarvey last year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss. Avery, any uh, comments on that? So, um, with the Detroit move, with the um, Costin, Costin Yamamoto thing, um, yeah, I agree, Megan, probably was a bit of, you know, Hey, we want you guys want Costin to be on to Yamamoto as well, so that could possibly be in play. But I, I'm glad you always didn't go that much for clean cost. I mean, he wrote a heater. He had a good second half of the season, but there's no way you should be giving clean cost that much money for Edmonton. If Detroit wants to pay him that, you know what? Hey, God bless. Go get your money. Sports are limited industry. You know, being a player, getting the bag is a tough thing. You you gotta do as much as you can. But no, I'm just glad Empton didn't do that because, oh boy, I could not imagine how that would get over a $2 million deal for clean costing. Oh, totally. Like, uh, And again, but I keep it wasn't really a $2 million deal because what did they spend on Yamamoto's buyout? Um, you have to add that into the price. So now it's like an almost a $3 million deal for Clint Costin. And I mean, I think he's probably about a $1 million forward, 1.5 if you really like uh, the that he scraps, I guess that's the, I was going to say his intangibles, but that's really the main one is he's a decent fighter. So, okay. You want to say he's worth 1.5 million. I'll go with you to 1.5 million. I won't go with you to 3 million. Like at that point, just keep Kyle Yamamoto. Um, so I just found that uh, a baffling deal. I'm even more confused by Matthew Shane. Matthew Shane's still good. Like Ryan Johansson is a bounce back candidate. I think that it's a reasonable bet the Avs took. I don't actually love the bet for them, but um, I think it's, I've never been a huge Ryan Johansson fan, but I would agree that, yeah, okay, he, he might thrive on a good team playing second line center, a little more removed from the injury. Um, Matt Duchesne has been good the last two years. He's good right now. I He's probably going to get $5 million. 
why would someone pay Matt Duchesne $5 million today when they could have just got him for $4 million retention from the Preds yesterday? Like, I, the math just does not check out on these decisions. Like, is it possible that Brary Trotz called all 31 teams and no one said, I'll take uh, Duchesne at $4 million? I have a hard time believing that's the case. And if he didn't, why didn't he? They're planning on buying him out. Um, yeah, I'm just baffled by uh, the Duchesne deal and baffled on uh, why Toffoli is worth so little, unless they really, really believe in Igor uh, Sharon Sharangovich. Mm-hmm. But why would they? He's a 30-point, 25- or 26-year-old forward. Like, he is a third-liner, and he's fine. He's perfectly fine, but not so good that you want to uh, take Toffoli. Coming off a career year, being arguably the Flames' best forward, I think he's only making $4.5 million dollars. One year left, too. So that's a valuable thing because if he's not working out, you can retain and flip him at the deadline. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm very confused. So those are um, the main things that I'm confused by. Uh, now that we've uh, established that, Avery, you're a reporter. Uh, there have been, obviously, many signings already today. Which ones jump out at you as interesting ones? Uh, I think the obvious first one jumps out at me is um, 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 Ryan Reese to Toronto. A three-year deal, I mean... We know Ryan Reeves isn't what he was even in Vegas or Pittsburgh. I mean, he was a guy you could bring in to be on your third or fourth, or fourth line mostly. But that many years, that much money for Ryan Reeves at 36 years old, I don't get that move. I mean, yeah, you remember leadership. You bring him in for a goal here and there. And, of course, for his toughness. But a multi-year deal, I think that's a head-scratcher for me from um, – Brunch Living, and also um, Ryan O'Reilly goes down to Nashville. I think that's a really good move for the Predators to bring him. And I think O'Reilly still some, uh, still, still some gas up in his tank. I'm not sure why the Leafs um, let him walk. But, no, those are two moves in my mind up to me. O'Reilly to Nashville and Ryan Reeves to Toronto on a three-year deal. You're, I believe he got full trade protection too, did he not? I believe so, yeah. That is um, bizarre. Because like you said, there was a time in Ryan Reeves' career where you could give him credit for saying he's a functional hockey player, not just a fighter. Mm-hmm. You, I don't think anyone would have ever accused him of being like a great hockey player, but he was, you know, a functional NHL. Uh, those days are behind him. He's 35 or 36 years old. So that means this is an over 35. Pro- I think he's 36. So if he retires, the whole thing is still on the cap. Like, I don't... Three years? You're signing Ryan Reeves till he's 39? He already looks like he's not in NHL anymore. Um, like, yeah, sure, okay, he's the toughest player in the league, but Milan Lucic is, I would Debatable usefulness. He's a better hockey player than Ryan Reeves. He only got one year, 900K. Why are you giving Ryan Reeves full trade protection, three years, million and a half at, uh, at, at 36? It's, it's bizarre. Um, and I think, I, I believe that uh, Ryan O'Reilly, at least what I had read, uh, was not super interested in sticking with Toronto. That he wanted to get that bag, as they say. And uh, Toronto did not have the structure to allow him to maximize his earnings. Interesting. I did not know that. That's what I read anyway. I guess I, I don't know if it's true. Well, I... Megan, the, what uh, signings have jumped out at you today? Well, the the Reeves one, I think, is an interesting one because, yeah, he's old. Um, 
I say that as someone who's older than him, but he's old and yeah, it's a 35 plus contract. But he's near death. Any day could be his last. Well, it is funny in professional sports. It's like, oh, 32 years old, oldest person ever to play the sport. Um, and the rest of us are just like going about our lives. Um, but like, it, yeah, it's it, three years for him seems absolutely insane. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if that's baffling to me. I get, I understand, I've read some stuff that potentially like Nylander might, might be on his way out from Toronto and things like that. And it is what it is. But I don't know. That seems like a lot. It's not a lot of money, but it's more money than you need to spend on Ryan Reeves. Because like the, you say, Milan Lucic just commanded much less. Um, and also he is no longer playing in Canada. So I don't have to worry about him anymore. The, um, what was I going to say? The the thing that, in my opinion, really kills teams is not cap it, it's term. It's You can overpay a guy for one or two seasons. Uh, I, I would even go so far as to say there's almost no such thing as a bad one-year deal. Um, but it's it's the term that just leaves you saying, why would you do this? There's a very, very good chance that this contract does not last one year, let alone three. And it's you're not going to be able to take it off your books. Like, why did you sign up? Why did you volunteer to pay this money three years from now? Uh, I I can't get over it. Um, any other ones that jumped out at you today? I mean, I suppose we could list them all if that's what we wanted to do. Um, well, unfortunately, I don't know a lot of what's going on because Twitter is an absolute friggin' tire fire today. So, like, um, I see stuff and then it disappears. Uh, I don't understand. Avery and Alex and I were talking about this before. The one that jumps out at me that is baffling to me is that uh, Drake Kajula is headed back to Edmonton. I have a, I, I have a theory under- about that. I understand that him and Connor McDavid are friends, but I think that Connor McDavid should not be allowed to dictate who plays with him because he's had a real bad track record of like picking his friends to come and play here. I will say, in my humble opinion, every single one of Connor's buddies has not worked out. And not that they've all been disasters, but they just... I, I haven't been happy with uh, the move, which is why here's my explanation of Drake Kajula coming back based on absolutely no insider information. The word on the street is Connor really, really, really doesn't want them to trade Warren Fogle. And if you look at the Oilers' uh, cap-friendly page, what jumps out at you is they ought to trade Warren Fogle. So my theory is they're like, okay, we brought back your other buddy. Huh? We're taking away one buddy, but look, here you go. It's another buddy. You've got the same number of buddies that you did yesterday. So uh, don't be mad. Um, that's, that's my belief. Interesting. Uh, okay. Right. Based on nothing other than I've heard that he really doesn't want them to trade Warren Fogle. And even though full credit to Fogle, he was a different player from new year's on last year. Like I spent a lot of time complaining about him cause, uh, he got traded for Ethan bear who, uh, somebody I really believed in and continue to believe in. Uh, he's one of those good players who didn't get qualified today, although there's a large asterisk that was clearly because he's injured for the next six months. So anybody who qualified him would immediately have to start fighting the cap. You know, they wouldn't be able to play him. So I get why that happened. Bad timing for him. But um, anyway, I've I've been spent a lot of time complaining about Fogel as the mattest player in the league. Like, sure, he's clearly an NHLer, but anytime you want someone to go out with good conditioning and hard work and accomplish virtually nothing, he's he's the guy. He's a different player from uh, New Year's on. So, 
you know, if he if he can maintain that level, there's probably a spot for him. But at his salary, uh, he's the obvious guy to go. Um, I don't know, Avery. Any thoughts on any of this? You know, it's a good point where a lot of Connor's guy. I think it was a funny tweet I saw a while ago where the comment of how come Connor's friends aren't Ulster? How come Connor's friends aren't aren't guys you have on the first or second line? It's almost always a bunch of third and fourth liners. That, that was very funny. But no, I think um, if you're a good GM, you can't always bring in a player, a star player's friend. You can't always acquiesce to his, his what he what he wants, what he likes as a GM because yes, Connor is your captain, but he's not in your front office. He's not the GM. You have to do your job. And bring good assets, but to his credit, Drake Julia in um, in the AHL had a good year with uh, Wilkes-Barre. He was a um, he had um, sixty five points last year for, for the for the Bay Penguins. But it's an interesting move. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't horrible as Norler. He was decent. He had he had a he had a little bit of a scoring knack at times. But I I just feel like you know I mean yes if if Connor's friends were more. Second, first time guys, okay, but you can't always give in to what your captain wants. Like you, he's not a part of your front office. It, has, it, 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 it is what he wanted. So, again, allegedly. So, <laughs> I mean, you know what? If Connor wants his friends to come play here, then take a fucking pay cut. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, if he wants, if he wants better, if he wants his like actual good hockey player friends to play here, then making twelve and a half million dollars is not the answer. I, I don't know. I think uh, I think it's only fair to point out that Connor McDavid did take a pay cut. He negotiated twelve and a half down. The Oilers had a higher number on on the table for him. Sure, fair um, enough. But when you're when you're taking up fifteen percent of the cap, and you want your buddies to come play here, but your buddies are bad hockey players. Um, if you want your good hockey player friends to come play here, then you can't you can't have a fifteen percent cap hit. And I like, think, sorry, go ahead. And I I feel like. Avery's right. He's not in the front office. He's not one of the decision makers. And I think they've given him way too much power. I think that's nice to say, but when Connor McDavid is playing in Edmonton, Alberta, if you want him to keep playing in Edmonton, Alberta, you just have to make certain concessions. I'm not saying that means you can't trade Warren Fogle. You can still argue with your stars. Um, but he's going to get a say in, and that's, that would be true even if he wasn't playing in Edmonton. Like, I think Sidney Crosby gets a vote. And I don't know that he gets final decision, but he gets a vote in player personnel decisions in Pittsburgh. I'm sure Ovechkin gets a vote in Washington. That's just, that's, uh, that's just a reality. They might, but it's, it's just you don't see like a parade of their summer workout buddies joining them. That's the big difference, I think. Well, I think McDavid, I'm not surprised that most of his friends are bottom sixers as he's clearly got a very well-defined personality type. And that's <laughs> fitness freaks who are obsessed with hockey. And I think that probably correlates with less talented people. Yeah, okay, that's fair. All right. Um, what are you hoping the others do, Megan? Um, I don't know. I don't know. What about the Flames? What about all the other uh, teams that you? Well, the already... Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins already traded Taylor Holloway, so uh, they're dead to me now. Oh, I don't they're care out. About them. Um, yeah, it's the the only the only reason I paid attention to them is because that's where Taylor Hall is. Um, I want to talk about that for a minute. I feel bad for Taylor Hall, um, not because like yes, he's a hockey player and yes, he's going to make a bunch of money and whatever. Like he's fine. Oh. I'm not worried about like the financial aspect. Um, 
of any of that. But I do feel bad for the guy, especially now at this like stage of life that he's in right now. He was like quite happy to be in Boston. Um, enjoyed. I, yeah, he uh, he found a role where he wasn't in the spotlight, and I think that worked out pretty well for him. Um, and yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. I feel bad for him, if only because um, him and his wife are expecting a baby. They kind of made a home in Boston. And I didn't even know he was married. Yeah, they got, yeah, I know lots of things. Um, but yeah, they're expecting a baby. Like, babies due in October, I think. They bought, a, they bought a house in Boston, from what I understand. And, like, I'm not saying that, you know, he was going to have to, he had to stay in Boston for forever or whatever. But he had two years left on this deal and was quite happy to be there. Uh, the way that he had talked about it, it was quite happy to be there. It seemed like the team really wanted him there. And it was just like, it's a pure salary dump and there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel bad that now he's stuck in Chicago. I like, Yes, they have Connor Bedard. But like, it, have, has anyone watched the Blackhawks play hockey in the last two years? They are terrible. Um, I think it's an interesting case. I think that much like Warren Vogel, uh, just looking at a quick glance at the Bruins cap friendly, like, oh, today got to move Taylor Hall. That's the guy that they are probably going to move, um, especially as he had an okay, he had a better playoffs, I thought, but um, and certainly some great moments in the playoffs. I understand why people were so happy to take him at $6 million. Um, him, actually, he's another one that really scratched my head. I'm surprised nobody was willing to outbid the Blackhawks on that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, that I think the Bruins kind of, had to move him, and much everything that you just said about Connor McDavid applies to Taylor Hall. Oh, if you really want to stay in Boston, you could just void your own contract and resign at a much cheaper level. I've never seen a player do that. I don't know if that actually can be done, but I don't really see why it couldn't. Um, but no, why would you say I'll take three million less dollars? That's mm-hmm. that's significant. So them's kind of the breaks when you're making six million bucks. I will say, well, I don't feel good for him about going to play in Chicago, it is probably the best landing spot you could possibly get as far as bad teams. Like, he clearly is uh, penciled into being Chicago's first-line left winger. He'll be getting Mm -hmm. uh, top power play time again, uh, top line even strength time again, and he always has been a better passer than a finisher. And uh, Connor Bedard is a finisher. He's got a guy to pass to. He's got... This is going to be the best center that he's ever had, probably out of the gate um, with respect to David Krejci, or at least the best offensive center he's ever had. Um, So, neat. Um, Yeah, I'm sure that he would like to win hockey games also, but he's, I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful for the guy. I've always liked Taylor Hall, not as much as some people, but uh, I hope that he has a great season, and I certainly think he's in the position to, as long as, and this is not sneaking up on anybody, ever since he was 17, people said, if he keeps playing like that, it's really going to take it out of his body. And it's starting mm-hmm. to really take it out of his body. I think your mm-hmm. uh, career of being Taylor Hall is starting to catch up with Taylor Hall. So I like him. Uh, and I hope that he has a nice bounce back after missing, I think, about 20 games last year. Avery, what are you hoping to see that you haven't seen yet? What am I hoping to see that I have not seen yet? Ooh, that is a that's a good question. I know Empton did bring in Connor Brown. That was the thing that we saw telegraphs gonna happen for 
uh, a little bit now. I do wonder what the plan still is for um, goaltending. I know people. I know people want to see a buyout of Jack Campbell. I don't see it happening though. But I think it's I, too late, isn't it? In the 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 deadline, based on the window. Yes, yeah, yeah, that can happen. But I do wonder. I do wonder what Elton tries to do. I know. I know Ken Holm claims to be a quiet summer, but we'll see. I. I, I just think you've got to improve on the wing a little bit more, but I'm not sure who that game is going to be with how Holland operates. But I think there's still there's still plenty of time. They're not playing hockey again until September, so we'll see. Yeah, for me, there's. Uh, I was very happy when I heard the Connor Brown rumors. They've always made sense to me. I like the player. Um, so, and that's another one of Connor's buddies, uh, which is fine. Um, I, for what it's worth, I know I was kind of arguing. But I completely agree with you that I think McDavid does not create record as a but I'm glad that we got one of his buddies who's good and well-priced. Um, uh, there, there's a few different things they could do. I like Jonathan Tabes as a fit. That's been a rumor. Um, but I would even be happier with one of the uh, good top six forwards that's out there. Matt Duchesne has been my favorite oiler or non-oiler, I mean, for really since he was drafted. I love watching him play. I think his style compares very nicely with Taylor Hall's, but he seems to be holding up a little bit better. Uh, but that would be that'd be tough. They'd have to clear a lot of salary. I'd like to see them upgrade the right-hand defensive spot, but I don't see an obvious candidate that they can afford. So I think that might be, well, we'll give Cody CC half a season, see how he does, and maybe make a move in February. Um, Jack Campbell is... The biggest mistake of Holland's Euler career and has been since the day that it was signed. That was a disaster before the ink even dried. So, what can you say? Any other teams that you've got high hopes for, Avery, that you think can really make some noise? Uh, you have any opinion on the Buffalo Sabres? For me, have been uh, one of the most interesting teams in the league over the last year. How are they going to get that second line, or pardon me, second pairing right-hand defenseman that they so badly need? Brett Pesci seems to make a lot of sense, and they got the cap space. And good mercy, do they ever have a lot of A-plus prospects? No, he does. No, Pesci would be a, a great addition for the Buffalo Sabres. But I think I really do think they're right there uh, among being a team that will contend for a wild card spot. We uh, we mentioned what they have with Tate Thompson, uh, Jeff Skinner, Owen Power. They got a great forward. They got a great um, veteran depth. Alex Tuck, Calipote. So, and as you mentioned right there, the prospect pool is still very high. So. If I'm Kevin Adams, go ahead and bring in Brad Preshy because you are right there on the precipice of being a playoff team for the first time in, what, 12, 13 years? This is the year to go for it. Make some Northeastern Conference if you're Buffalo. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think they're going to have to move one of their prospects, but that's fine because they've got, like I said, a ton of guys who are A's in value, like uh, Yuri Kulich. Is coming off an incredible, he's a first-rounder coming off an incredible AHL season. Um, they just got well, who I thought was the, the big slider of the draft, Zach Benson at uh, 13. Some people say he would have been first overall most years. Um, they are just loaded. So they can make any move they want. What about the, the Senators? I'm always curious about Canadian teams. Is it the year they finally get over the hump? Any, any moves they could make? I'm just picking random teams that I'm interested in, seeing if you if you guys know anything that I don't, but have you heard anything about them? 
I think interesting the whole like, Alex the Brinkat thing, how he it sounded more like he wanted to go back to an American team and want to stay long term in Canada. So I would love to see what's going to happen there with that because if you're Ottawa, I mean, he's a guy you would like to keep in your plans long term, but if he doesn't want to stay in Canada, I think right now it's just like figuring out okay, you want to stay here long term, what can we what can we flip you for to an American team? I think the Brinkat's going to get a lot of value in a trade with an American franchise for Ottawa. Yeah, I hope they do well in it. I mean, I, I definitely think there's a chance that they could. Like, he's not coming off a great season, but he's still, a, I think, a 26-year-old who scored 40 goals twice, so that should have some value, and they got a reasonably decent deal on him. So even if they don't recoup all their assets, uh, like if they end up saying, well, we paid a second rounder for one year of him, that's, that's not the end of the world. Um, I hope it goes well. That's really, that's who they should be. Uh, well, now they've got Jacob Chikrin, so they're not as desperate for D as they were before. But I was going to say, he would be a great fit in Carolina. There's a team that has everything except for finishing talent. And the thing, one thing that I find interesting about Carolina is they've shown with guys like Shane Gustis be here and um, Brett Burns, they've shown a willingness to take players who don't necessarily excel at the things that Carolina wants to do well if they feel they can use the other four guys on the ice to cover their weaknesses uh, if those players are bringing strengths that they don't have. And that certainly sounds like uh, Alex DeBrincat to me. Although I will say there was a really good interview with uh, between your colleague Frank Saravelli and um, Eric uh, Tulski from Carolina. And Tulski obviously wouldn't name names, but he said that they are very aware that the Hurricanes play a very specific style of hockey. And there are some very good hockey players who just would not fit that mold. And there are also some very mediocre hockey players who will look very good if they're playing for the Hurricanes. So um, I think that every team to some degree thinks that, but I agree with him that the Hurricanes seem to think it the most as they have a very specific coach who likes to play a very specific style. Uh, So that was interesting to me. Uh, What about, we talked about hopes. What about fears? Is there anything you fear seeing on uh, the big day today, Megan? Um. So far, what I've seen, no, there's always a danger of, like, GMs massively overpaying for somebody. Like, I guess the Ryan Reeves thing, that's a massive overpay for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, But, like, no, so far, I haven't been, like, super shocked by anything. Um, But, I I mean, it's only 12.30 in the afternoon. Uh, and yeah, technically, free just opened at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever, because none of these deals were done in principle ahead of time, because uh, that would be tampering. Um, but so far, there hasn't been anything that's made me be like, oh, my God, what is even happening here? But I do feel like somebody's going to overpay for something uh, in the next week or so. Um, and then that's going to kind of reset some of the markets for uh, some other guys that are, are will still be UFAs or even... Um, you know, guys that are RFAs and sort of, I know there's some limitations on what they can be offered, but I'm, I'm waiting to see somebody offer sheet. That's always what I want to see. Um, I just want to see one offer sheet once and someone to sign an offer sheet. There's a couple that were rumored, but, um, that's a big old, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I mean, Evan Bouchard was one of the rumored targets, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And if it did happen, it might even be good for the Oilers because somebody would probably go long-term with them and then we could match that. Um, what was I? Oh, yeah. You said that nobody's done anything too terrible. Maybe no one move has been terrible, but I sure have not liked anything that Brad Tree Living has done since taking over. 
And that hurts because I offered a lot of qualified defenses of him as a GM. I never said he was a great GM, but I thought he did a pretty good job of running the Flames. And I'm looking foolish as I think he's doing a bad job of running the Leafs. With all the players that got straight up released today, how do you give David Kampf four years for two and a half million dollars? Like that is a a myth. That's like the Warren Fogel of Leafs, uh, maybe even slightly less good. He's just a pretty good defensive fourth line center. Um, why are you paying that guy for four years? Like not even three mm-hmm. years, four years. Weird deal. Ryan Reeves deal. Rumored to be shopping um, Nylander, who for my money, I don't want to say he's their best player because obviously their their top two guys are both incredible. But he is my favorite of the bunch of them. And he's a great playoff performer. And he's paid significantly less than the other two uh, of their stars. I would be all over Alex Nylander if I was any of the 31 other teams. Um, you mean William Nylander? Oh, yeah, I do mean William Nylander. Uh, Alex Nylander can stay where he is. I'm sure he's very happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't like what he's doing at all. And then it was also just widely thought that they were going to bring back Luke Shen. And nope, it turns out he's going to the Predators. So I don't know how that changes their plans. If uh, what was widely known was wrong, or if he just got outbid on a guy he thought he had locked down. Um, who can say? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's been... Oh, speaking of Matt Duchesne, Matt Duchesne, uh to Dallas for $3 million for a year. $3 million. That is mm-hmm. outrageous. I'm blown mm-hmm. away by that. Um, and Miles Wood uh, is going to Colorado. I thought Miles Wood would fit well in Edmonton. Not so well that I'm furious that we don't have. There's a lot of guys. Um, two players, one of them, to be honest, I've been extraordinarily busy this week. It's possible that it happened and I missed it. But I heard that. I... Sorry, I just muted that for a second to calm the uh, dogs down. But uh, the Oilers have been linked to Teddy Bluger and Evan Rodriguez. And uh, I love both those players. Um, love is a strong word, as they're both actually Evan Rodriguez playing your second line. But Teddy Bluger is uh, definitely like nothing more than a solid fourth liner. But I think he's a very solid fourth liner. That's the kind of player that uh, you can work because they make barely any money. And they're worth the money that you give them. That's that's the secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I don't know. It, the thing about Chilliming is really interesting, too, because if we could talk about the Flames for a second, just in general, um, what I find fascinating about what's happened with the Flames this offseason, uh, they, you know, some people say they didn't fire Brad Chilliming, that it was like a mutual parting of ways. It doesn't matter. He's no longer their general manager. They fired Daryl Sutter. He's no longer their head coach. Um, and there was talk before all of this happened that, you know, Sutter had lost the room and this and this and this. What I find really fascinating about what's going on in Calgary right now is that it is very clear that there are like two, there's two locker rooms on that team. There are guys that were quite happy to play for Daryl Sutter and guys who were quite happy to not be playing for Daryl Sutter. Uh, and what's shocking, maybe not shocking, but surprising to me is that some of the guys that you would have thought maybe would have not enjoyed playing for Daryl Sutter are the ones who are like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to resign here. Yeah. Um, is my sound still coming through, by the way? Yep. yep. Okay, good. Um, yeah, that's, it doesn't shock me that there was that divide as uh, Sutter's definitely the kind of guy who his whole career has certainly lost rooms. That That's not news, but some players, uh, not only do some players love winning, I think some 
human beings just really like a hard ass style and are happy to see people get yelled at when they think they deserve a good yelling. Uh, so it doesn't shock me that he had his boosters. Um, the part that I think is hilarious is they had a coach and GM who didn't get along and then a coach and a group of players who didn't get along. And they said, well, okay, we, we obviously have to make some choices here because they can't all coexist. And it looks like they're going to end up losing the coach and the GM and a bunch of the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it I really think- could not have gone. It's hard to imagine it going worse for them. Well, and I think you, you said it interesting, you know, the coach and a GM that don't get along. When my dad and I were talking about this last week, my dad figures that it's Trey Living's fault that all of this, like this rift has happened because that he, his supposition here is that the players that actually brought in who didn't necessarily um, get along with Sutter uh, weren't, aren't maybe not necessarily the problem either, but he, he created this like divided locker room and then sort of for, uh, forced the coaching staff to deal with all of these tensions that existed before anybody hit the ice rather than like, you know, having a coach be like, Hey, this is sort of what we're looking for. These are the kinds of, this is how we're going to add, you know, this is what we need in our lineup to be successful, et cetera. So especially after last off season, losing both Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Um, anyway, I think it's very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Uh, see what happens with Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm and see like where, where they end up, if they end up staying. I mean, I think, I think you had to trade Tyler to I think you, if you didn't trade him, you weren't going to get anything from him. I don't know that Sharon which is the value that I would have wanted back for him, but you know what, it, you know, what? I'm not an NHL general manager as we know. So. Okay. I'm uh, just scrolling past some um, of the signings today. There's a few that make me uh, scratch my chin. Uh, Corpusalo to the Sens for five times uh, four. Um, I've never been a big Corpusalo fan. I thought he had one really good series at a really good time. Other than that, he's like a serviceable 1B goalie, but not even an especially good one. Um, Orlov to Carolina. Carolina is arguably best defense in the league. Continues to get stronger, though I guess they are allowed about to uh, lose Brett Pesci. Um, so that's neat. Justin Hall has officially left Toronto. Uh, he was... In a lot of ways, I thought the definitive leaf, just because he was a depth player that people would very, very passionately argue about. And I will say, I, as someone who's always followed stats and thought they were interesting, um, it was neat to see uh, the conversation shift on Justin Hall, as he was an analytics darling at the beginning. Um, and he was kind of the the guy that I think him and all, there was a few other people. Martin Marincin was uh, maybe another one. Uh, but one of the real poster children for analytics, especially publicly available analytics, tend to really overrate third-pairing defensemen. Um, that is one of the biggest weaknesses, I would say, across the board on every publicly available analytics model. If you are uh, a defenseman playing 15 minutes a night, you're going to look like you're, you're just going to have a, a great rating and you might not be able to actually play anymore. But as long as you're playing an efficient 15 minutes against fourth liners, um, the analytics are going to make you look uh, real good. Um, so, you know, there, there, there's some neat moves happening. How much did, uh, Connor Brown sign for? That's a great question. I don't know. I'm um, going to look it up on Twitter, um, but maybe I'm I won't be able to read it. We'll see. I'm looking it up right now, not on Twitter. So, uh, this will determine how I feel about it. Although it's been rumored since, um, January. Bob Stoffer has been talking about it since January. 
Yeah. Interesting. It looks like a base salary of uh, seven seventy five. Um, so oh yeah, it's. I read. With, I did read something mm-hmm. about that. It's a three point two five in performance bonuses. It's it's very that cap hit is super low risk. Yeah. Um, which is nice because, yeah. So it's yeah a one year at seven seventy five, and then the potential bonuses, but it only counts against the cap as seven seventy five. Yeah. Um, so it, if it, his injury problems or whatever, whatever, then that's a super low risk, yeah. low cost signing. It's a, a very, I would say low, low risk in the sense that if things go really badly, it won't cost the Oilers anything. Uh, where it could actually hit them is if it goes great as a 3.25. I don't, depends how the bonuses are structured. Like if he has to, to make all that money, I assume he's going to need to score like 80 points. Um, but if he only needs to score 50, then I don't know. He can probably get 50 points, not for sure, but it's at least that's a little more possible. Um, but they won't have to pay the cap hit until next year because he's coming off a, a long injury. That's There's a special clause written into how the cap works that if you've been injured for long enough, you can basically defer all your bonuses to the next year, which is what... Yeah. And honestly, that's like a... That's a reasonable... I guess clause in those contracts to allow for that um, because it allows teams to sign a guy coming off a major injury like that. Um, and it doesn't penalize them if the guy can't play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, there's no real penalty if, uh, if it doesn't work out, basically, if it turns out that his career is over, it costs the Oilers nothing. They can a hundred percent, Bury 100% of that contract. Yeah. Avery? But, yeah, no, I agree. Okay. So, Anything to add? We haven't uh, thrown Avery for a while. I was going to say, no, the Connor Brown deal is probably one of the better deals um, of the Kittle and Tenure right now because, again, if, if it doesn't work out, it is what it is. You're paying less than $800,000 for Connor Brown. If it does work out, well, then you, you deal with it then that year. I know Connor Brown has been a player. He's been able to in his past – um, score close to 50 points. He had a career high of 47 points. So if Connor Brown goes out and does once again have a bounce back year with a 20 goal campaign, you're getting a guy who's scoring possibly 20 goals for $800,000, which isn't that bad of a deal. It's actually probably one of the better deals in the league if that happens this season. I will say that's a lot. Of, I'm surprised that he got that much in bonuses. I think he. Connor Brown did very well for himself against Ken Holland on that deal. As that's three point two five million bonuses, that is a ton of them. I I don't know who else was offering him uh, that much money. Um, also, we you never know. Who knows where Matt Duchesne wants to play? It's very possible that Matt Duchesne would not have wanted to come to Edmonton. But one year and three million dollars—that's an incredible deal for the Stars. And mm-hmm. You know, but you can't get every incredible deal. Like, so I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm every time somebody signs a good deal, I'm mad that it wasn't signed with the Oilers. But uh, I really can't get past what a perfect fit Duchesne would have been here as he can skate with McDavid. I'm not saying he's as fast as him, but nobody's as fast as him, but he can skate with McDavid. He would have been a great winger or he's a very good second line center. And then you could have dry side play on McDavid's wing full time. Um, I've said it once, I'll say it again. I think that a lot of the Holland criticism is overblown. I think he's a probably a C-plus GM, but I think there are often A-plus moves right there, and they're not the kind that he likes to make. He's not very aggressive. 
Uh, he likes to just more or less bolster the depth. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think that this was a missed opportunity. Um, again, with the significant caveat of I don't know what it would have taken to get Matt Duchesne to come to Edmonton. Well, the thing with that is... Three million in Dallas, sure. That's probably four million dollars here, or maybe more. Sure, um, but it's a one-year deal. It's true. I, I, it's true. But if you're, if you're the Oilers, and the the problem with the Oilers, somebody in the the Slack for the website was just saying like, it's nice that they don't have very much cap space because they can't really overpay for anybody in free agency. Uh, there is, and we know this, and we've addressed it before. Um, there is uh, a surcharge basically for playing in Edmonton, right? Like you. If you are wanting to come here, um, you, I think, have a little bit more leverage in the salary discussion than someone who wants to play somewhere where, you know, you're going to have more guys who just want to play there, right? I think that there is something to be said for that. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they they don't have a ton of cap space, right? Like, they don't. They have $5.6 million, $5. million in, in cap space as of right now. I was looking at the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks have like $21 million in cap space. So the Oilers don't have a ton of space to bring Indeed someone like, like that in. And I get, you know what, you're right. Like a $4 million bucks for a year for someone like Matthew Shane is probably not an overpay. But if you're looking to for something else, you're looking to, you know, sign someone else, you got to, who knows, who knows what's going to happen. And unfortunately, you know, hoping that Duchesne is maybe available like tomorrow or the next day once you've got a couple other things sorted out uh, is maybe the best that they could have done. Um, but I would imagine that that $3 million for him to play in Dallas to play in Edmonton would be at least four. Sure. But I'd very, very, very happily give Matt Duchesne $4 million. And I think that there are ways to uh, figure out that kind of uh, cap it. Because I agree we're right up against the cap. But um, I think that that's the kind of opportunity that you – you can find a way to make that work. I see Pacioretty went on a one-year deal for $2 million. No bonuses, um, as far as I can tell, uh, to the Capitals. That's an interesting one, as he obviously, it's just possible that he doesn't play any games for them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just scrolling out. We did not get Teddy Bluger. He went to uh, Vancouver for... Oh, I was looking at the wrong thing. For 1.9, which I'm fine with not paying him that. Um, I like that player, but that's certainly not an amazing discount. Mm -hmm. There's Lucic's deal. Cam Talbot's going to the Kings for one year, $1 million. That's, is that all they're doing? Interesting. Gutsy play by the Kings. They're sticking with their cheap goaltending. I think that's actually super defensible. Uh, the Sabres are hoping Connor Clifton can be their second pairing right-hand D. Maybe he can. Uh, good deal. Good deal for them. I really, I thought that Pesci was for sure going to be a Sabre, but you know, I guess he's not. I'm still amazed that Connor Brown got, like, just scrolling down this list, $4 million for Connor Brown. Like, you look at that and you think, that can't be right. Um, man, that's that's a lot. Oh, the Sabres also got uh, Eric Johnson. All right. Well, that, there goes the Brent Pesci idea. Mm-hmm. We signed. We were talking earlier about uh, very good RFAs who just didn't get qualified because they weren't worth the raise. The Sabres re-signed Tyson Jost beneath his qualifying offer. Um, I, I expect a few teams are going to do that. Or I believe uh, New Jersey already um, signed uh, Ryan McLeod's older brother for beneath his qualifying offer. They had to let him go UFA first, but neat. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. the Oilers got Lane Peterson. Good. Yeah. 
That happened earlier too, yes. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> well, he's a 25-year-old um, at league minimum. I assume that's our new AHL All-Star. Yeah, Lane Pearson. He he might get called. He, he, he's the guy you're going to see in the starting lineup come October. He's a guy who will spend most of his time in Bakersfield come this fall. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you need those guys. I'm not pretending that he got in the way of uh, my dream of getting Matt Duchesne on the Oilers, but, um, you know. I'm surprised that Aiden Hill got 4.9 after, like, he was there. He came into the playoffs as their third string goalie. Um, I shouldn't say came into the playoffs. He was their backup by the time the playoffs hit, but he spent most of the year as their third string goalie. And then he got hot in the playoffs. And he did. He was incredible in the playoffs. Let's not pretend that he wasn't. But uh, solid enough regular season, but 4.9 still, as we talked earlier, only two years. Great deal. Great deal. The problem with the Jack Campbell contract is not the $5 million. It's the five years. Although the $5 million in, uh, wasn't great either. But how are you going to give five years to the streakiest goalie in the league that isn't Mike, Mike Smith? We replaced Mike Smith with younger, nicer Mike Smith. I preferred old and prickly. Old and prickly and slightly crazier Mike Smith. Yeah, I enjoy a crazy goalie. I thought it was sweet. And he and his very existence antagonized one of my friends, which uh, was great. Um, <laughs> uh, we all benefited from that antagonism I think um, made the world a better us, place even those of us that were blocked on Twitter still benefited from that antagonism <laughs> um, uh, just reading here Carolina signed Michael Bunting three years 4.5 AAV oh, how about that um, Jason hey, Zucker in Arizona for I saw that. money yep. uh, I, think, I think more probably more Jason Zucker one year five point three, which is probably more than he should get paid, but like the Oats can afford it, so whatever. They can. Uh, um, he's a good player, although you probably wanted a little more out of him than he showed in Pittsburgh. Like he's a good two way player, but I think they, I'm sure they were hoping he'd score a little bit more than he did. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I have a thing that I just am reading here. Um, the Penguins are closing in on a trade um, for Eric Carlson. Get the H out of town. That's what um, oh, I'm just reading. I'm just reading it right now. Apparently, the Kraken are also in the discussion, but it looks, it sounds like it's leaning towards the Penguins. I don't know anything yet, but uh, I'm just gonna, just gonna. For me personally, as a, um, hmm, as a hockey fan, as a as a fan of Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson uh, and Chris Letang, I'm just gonna say, let's get this deal done right now. And, uh, I wonder how Latang feels about this. Is this is the end of his time on the first unit power play? But, uh, you know what? That might be okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, he wants to win. Yeah, I mean, realistically, he's had he's still very good. That's the nice thing you got to say about Chris Latang. But um, he not only I was going to say he's getting a little bit older, but really, at the best of times, he's had trouble staying healthy. I wouldn't quite call him a band aid, but he has because uh, he's played a lot of games. He's going to play over a thousand games. Um, but he's certainly missed significant stretches of time. And and really, anytime you can get Eric Carlson, you no matter, even if you've already got Brent Burns, you have to at least think about it. Uh, we did see that didn't exactly work out for uh, San Jose, although, to be honest, I don't really love the way they deployed them. I think that they should have been coached differently than they were. Um, and I'm a hockey genius, so... Uh, I'm also a hockey genius. Uh, also, and I'm just going to throw this one out there. If that trade gets done, Pittsburgh has the absolute hottest lineup in the league, 
hands down, no questions asked. Uh, you know, I hadn't picked up on that's what you were leaning towards. Um, now I get it. Now I see. Anyway. Uh, I have always admired your defiant heterosexuality. Uh, keep it up. <laughs> Sam Steele, man, that guy just can't get money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, got released by the Ducks after a pretty good season, and then he went to Minnesota and had a pretty good season, and they released him, and uh, now he's on barely more than league minimum uh, for the Stars. I, stars are having a good day. It is worth pointing out that there's a pretty good chance he was involved in something uh, very unsavory that we might end up learning more about. Or we might not. Who knows? The Ottawa Senators appear to have lost a... A uh, good young prospect over it entirely, just to make sure he doesn't have to talk about it. So, um, anyway, I don't um, really want to linger on that particular topic, but uh, no. Sam Steele uh, to Dallas. Can we talk about um, the NHL awards for just a second? Oh, sure. What about um, it? Well, I just okay. So, you, I mean, I I think it's funny mostly that people were very very mad that McDavid did not get uh, unanimous first place votes for the Hart Trophy. Um, and it was like the people that I saw being mad about it were the people that I very much expected to be mad about it. Um, but one of the things that I found very interesting about this is it's it's coming down to a question of like spirit of the law versus letter of the law about what the MVP actually means because it's not technically a league MVP award. It is the player who is judged to be the most valuable to their team. And you could make an argument that Connor McDavid is not the most valuable player uh, to his team. No, you couldn't. I you mean, could. you could. that's not true. You could make an argument. You shouldn't. Uh, I'm not saying you should, but I'm I just think... saying you could make the argument that he's not the most valuable player to his team. Especially I, because of the fact that he like the two to the two leading scorers in the league play on the same team, and so like there's there's an argument to be made there for that. I just found it really funny that people got so upset, and I was thinking about it. Do the players care the way that fans think they care? I don't know if fans care stuff? the way fans think they care. Ooh, interesting. I don't know how many people are going to care about this in two weeks. It just happened yesterday, and social media is really good for convincing people that meaningless nonsense is important, and uh, people will get really worked up about stuff that they don't even care about. They're in it for the joy of work, getting worked up. It's like how you chant along to stuff when you're drunk. It's it's not because you care. It's because you're drunk, um, and getting the chanting is the point, not the words. I would even say that's actually why I don't enjoy going to rallies, even if it's for causes that I believe in. You're not there. Half the people there are there because they like chanting. They wouldn't say that, but that is why they're there. The rage is the point. So I don't think that most people care about this. I was making fun of a different one of my friends. I actually can't even remember who said this, but someone said, great. Now uh, McDavid's heart win is going to have an asterisk. What the H are you talking about? No one is going to care about this other than like a few historical nerds will be like, McDavid was almost the first major athlete to win two unanimous MVPs, but he missed by one vote. And people go, oh, neat. Um, that That's almost neater than if he had done it. I know no one else has ever done that. That would have been cool. But like, who cares? 
That said, I should mm-hmm. point out that that guy's uh, the reporter's ballot. This is the second year in a row. It is moronic. Like it is. Yes. Just jaw dropping. It's, it's yeah. very much an attention grab. Like yeah, like that. That thing is like. I mean, if you. I mean, sure. You, you want to argue this year? You want to argue a Pasternak over a McDavid? Oh, I'll I'll listen to you. Are you are you Chuck? I'll listen to it. When you're putting McDavid fifth, that to me is like. I don't know. You can defend that. And again, last year you don't have Matthews or McDavid in your top two. It's like that to me is not defensible. You don't have a valid argument to say for either year why you can do that. Again, it's it, 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 it attention grabbing. I feel it's meant to be a tent. It's meant to you know be a look at me thing. Is it going to matter in five, ten years? Of course, not. no one's going to care. Um, legacy wise, this is the NBA. It is the NBA. You would see much more because the NBA is much more about legacy, is much more narrative about winning the awards. Even players on Twitter talking about, you know, guys winning MVP awards. Hockey players, they don't care. They don't really care about that compared to the NBA guys. But no, in like five, ten years, it's going to be a whatever thing. But yeah, like it was really a, but it was really a, you know, look at me thing, an attention thing because yes, McDavid did win the heart. And today, McDavid did MVP. But I just don't know how you can defend with a valid argument. To put him that low in the voting with actual stats and whatever else you can to back up your argument. I just don't understand yeah. how that can work. It's yeah, worth and pointing think- out he also left Austin Matthews off his ballot last year entirely, mm-hmm. I believe. To me, it's mm-hmm. baffling stuff and not a serious yeah. thing to vote for. Well, and I think if his ballot this year had been like Pasternak number one and McDavid number two, yeah, it would have people been like, oh, it's, he didn't win. But like, I, th- I feel like that probably comes across less. Um, gimmicky. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean. Like, I feel yeah. like I feel like, like what Avery says. I think you can make the argument that Pasternak. Like, you, I've got time for that argument for sure, for sure. Um, McDavid in fifth is just kind of dumb, but it brings yeah. me back to this thing that I mentioned. I don't know if it matters uh, how many first like I don't know if it matters he won right like a win is a win and whether he wins by one point or wins by 1900 points uh he still wins right and I think it's more interesting to be honest I think it's more interesting if you don't have um the overwhelming sort of where you have maybe two or three guys who are kind of splitting first place votes and it comes down to those second and third place votes and that kind of thing I think it's much more interesting I think it brings a lot more discussion and debate um but I don't know that we have to release, like, does it matter who voted, how people voted and who they voted for? Like, does it actually matter? Does it matter that like, yeah, McDavid won, this guy was in second, this guy was in third. Do we have to know um, vote for vote how that went? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. I I don't mind though. um, As I think when I just went on that little soapbox moment of the rage is the point. I think the rage is stupid, but I think the debate is fine. Like, that's really what we're in hockey. Like, I got to say this carefully because I'm sad that the bad things happen to him. But I think one of the best things to ever happen to hockey conversation is Mary Lemieux having all those injuries and cancer. Because now Gretzky versus Lemieux is an endless conversation. If Mary Lemieux was perfectly healthy his whole career, um, then it would probably pretty be a lot more cut and dry one way or the other. But you have this huge element of what if. And conversation is fun. We're not ultimately we're not. We think we're watching hockey because we like watching hockey. We're watching it for the conversation, for the stories, for to hang out with our fellow human and have something to look at and talk about. Uh, so yeah, 
release the ballots. Like, I don't think it matters. And I think people were like, this guy's got to lose his job. They're out of their minds. Um, but I think he was, the children are right to laugh at him. He certainly voted very stupidly and having a day of debating how stupid it was. That's, that's cool. That's like what we're, the mm -hmm. debates, the debates, the point in a positive way. Also, it's not all negative. I hate to interrupt this conversation. I've just learned something incredible that is really, really changing my mind on the day. I've been in favor of the Connor Brown thing for a long time. I've liked the player. He was, uh, buddies and teammates with uh, McDade. It just makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. The bonuses are strictly games played, and they're super achievable. All he has to do to hit all of them is play 65 games. If he gets So his base salary is 775, league average. If he hits 25 games played, it's another 1.1. 45, it's another 1.1 after that. 65, it's another 1.1, bringing it up to uh, the $4 million. So they're $4 million for Connor Brown when Matt Duchesne was there for three. That is unbelievable. Like, even just for, forget Matt Duchesne. $4 million is too much for Connor Brown. He played four games last year. He looked pretty good as a two-way player uh, for the for the Senators, but also that was when the Senators were very bad, so he was getting great minutes. I can't believe that they played $4 million for Connor Brown. 65 games? That's... If you... Go ahead. I encourage you fans. Like I like Connor Brown. I've been pushing for them to sign him. Just scroll some of the other uh, numbers. Let me throw a few out here. Daniel Sprong. What did, let me remind myself how he did uh, last season. I'm going to pull up his. Again, Connor Brown uh, missed all of last year with a very serious injury. But the season before that, he had 39 points in 64 games for a bad sense team. Uh, so that's about a 50-point player. Very respectable. Um Daniel Sprong. I just want to look up his points before I, I yell about uh, his salary. So uh, for the upstart Kraken, uh, he had 21 goals, 25 assists, 46 points in 66 games. So a slightly better rate than Connor Brown. Uh, he's making half as much money. It's a one-year deal for $2 million. Um, Michael Bunting is a three-year deal for $4.5 million. Bunting had a very good season last year. Um Let's see who else was cheap. We already talked about Duchesne. Just like, there's so many like depth uh, future farm team guys that I got to scroll by. Oh, Connor Susie signed with Vancouver. I missed that one. Um, Craig Smith got a one-year deal for $1 million. He's coming off injuries. Uh, Gustav Nyquist, two years at 3.19. How is Connor Brown making more than I would say almost any of these guys? Like the market is depressed because the cap is flat. We're paying... Connor Brown, an outrageous amount of money. We're not covered at all. All he has to do is play 65 games, be good enough to not get benched. I can't believe we're giving Connor Brown that much money. But I wonder, but this is the thing. Like, they're obviously, I think, coming off an ACL injury, um, I think they're hedging their bets. And again, if he doesn't hit that 65 game threshold, he doesn't make all of that money. But the fact that there's no performance attached to any of those, any of that bonus is remarkable. That 65 games is pretty achievable. Like, I agree he could go out there, play five games, get hurt again, and say, I guess I'm done in the NHL, or something like that. Or he could just be slow enough that they say, hey, we're telling you you're done in the NHL. So their, budget, their bets are slightly hedged, but, like, the, the reward is disproportionately high. Like, if he just goes out there and plays at a 30-point pace, that's probably too good to bench. If he's a good penalty killer and chips in 15 goals and 15 assists, uh, that's not worth $4 million. 
Like that's Kyler Yamamoto. Why did we replace Kyler Yamamoto with a more expensive Kyler Yamamoto? And that's if he plays, mm-hmm. um, and which he might not. Then we got no one. That's even worse. This I, this is this is a terrible deal. This is a terrible uh, deal. <laughs> this is a terrible uh, deal. Yeah, it would be one thing if it was like, hey, play sixty-five games and hit this threshold. Yeah, like right. if it was. Yeah, if you play sixty-five games and sixty points or. I mean, he's never hit 60 points before. That would be unreasonable. But, like, even 40 points. If yeah, I, then, I then assume it's a combination. Sense. It's entirely games played. And, like, we uh. both just agreed that if he plays at a 30-point pace and kills penalties, which he probably will, that's too good to bench on these Oilers. But that's mm-hmm. not worth $4 million. Nope. Like, I would say we've done a terrible job. of. I would rather have Clem Costa too because that's just two. This uh, this is terrible. This is a really Avery? terrible deal. <laughs> Avery, any thoughts on this? Yeah, no. It, it, it's just funny seeing Steven in real time uh, change his <laughs> mind on the deal and just go from liking the Connor Brown move to to being horrified by it. But yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, I I, I do think Connor Brown will hit sixty five games. I'm gonna say Connor Brown plays seventy games. I don't think he's missing as much time. I think his body is going to hold up more than it has in the past. But yeah, if he hits that, he, he I think he's at threshold and hits the bonuses. But yeah, it's um the more you look at it now, it's like, huh, okay. It might not have been as good as we thought we first thought. <laughs> well I, and I'm yeah fun. it's like I say if if you have those bonuses attached to games played plus performance, then that's a lot easier to swallow, right? It's like okay, so you play 65 games and you score 45 points, uh that might be uh, more challenging because then then it forces him to perform as well but ultimately he could come out and play 66 games i'm just gonna throw out a number and earn an extra three and a quarter million dollars um just by playing games like that seems insane to me like he's already getting paid to play games i don't understand how the bonuses are also to play games I mean, basically, it's they're saying we're not sure that you'll be healthy enough to be an NHLer. So I get some version of that, but that I'm stunned. (laughs) I really wish that your video had been on for that so we could watch your face change uh, as you like read and realized these things. (laughs) Uh, I feel like that would have been way more fun. Like Uh, they're clearly the the thing that I guess you could say is the potential salvation for this deal is if the cap shoots through the roof next summer, because the none of his bonuses will apply until then. Like he's just 775 this year. Mm-hmm. So they saved a lot. That's the other thing they did by structuring it this way is they saved themselves a lot of uh a lot of cap this season by getting him for league minimum, getting Yanmark for league minimum. Um which they only have to do because of paying Jack Campbell so much, but you know, whatever. Um so yeah if the cap shoots through the roof uh uh next summer then it could end up you might we might say well okay i guess that's maybe all right but um i i can't i can't i still can't freaking believe it that's especially looking at um again you have to look at this in context what that whole big speech i did at the beginning about how the mid-level players were seeing the end of the paying mid-tier players look at what uh, Tyson Jost got what Daniel Sprong got, what Matt Duchesne got. Um, these these guys are all getting like half of that. Um, 
even what Michael Bunting got, uh, it's, it's, a, I think it's just an unbelievable amount of money. Mm -hmm. I'm stunned. He's basically um, going to have to have, if he doesn't have the best season he's ever had, it's going to be an overpayment. I will say I'm fine with playing, with paying him this. If he comes out, continues to play great two-way hockey and probably scores 40 to 50 points. Like there is a version of this deal that works out for us. We've just put a ton of eggs in the basket that he's going to have a career year. And yes. I'll say there's a huge opportunity cost. Even if he lives up to this contract, I will salute him and say, why did we set it up so that he, the bar for success was this high? Like he could have a pretty good season and it'll be uh, too much money. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe who are you possibly negotiating against also? How did you get – there's so many players who are as good and don't have the injury issues who are getting half as much money. How do you justify giving uh, him more money than Daniel Sprung? I guess he kills penalties. He's a different kind of player. So maybe that's not a fair comparison. But um, I, I, I don't know. I'm amazed. I guess I have nothing to add beyond that. Um, I, like I think – I think – Good for the Sabres. I think it, it goes back to the whole question of like, what is it that, what is it that, that like that you just said there, who are they negotiating against? Like who is Ken Holland in a fight with over Connor Brown that he was like, Hey, here's how we get this guy to sign with us. We will give him bonuses for the most achievable things possible. Um, Cause yeah. W were you competing with anyone? I doubt it. Uh, probably not at that price point, but anyway, um, seems bizarre. Um, I got a question from, uh, our favorite uh, listener librarian, Mike, he wanted to know, and this is something maybe <laughs> I should have mentioned to you guys before. His, it was a good question. He wanted to know, what is your favorite like conspiracy theory? Um, I, I know my answer. Sports conspiracy theories. And so he, he, he has one. His is that all of the bad press that Taylor Hall received in Edmonton started with Kevin Lowe feeding bad vibes to the local media because he was mad that Halsey insisted on number four. That's, that's his favorite conspiracy. Huh. I've heard some what, version of that, but I don't know. Lowe gave it to him. Um, well, that's what we were told. But anyway, what's your, what's your favorite? Okay, when originally you just said favorite conspiracy theory, my favorite conspiracy theory by a mile is that Stevie Wonder's been able to see this whole time and he just <laughs> pretends to be blind <laughs> for marketing purposes, uh, which is a real one. You can, you can look that up. Um, sports specific, I know that I have a couple. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Avery while I try to remember my favorite sports conspiracy theory. Um, I have I've said on here more than once it's the Michael Jordan suspension was was for ninety three when four it was on retirement it was a suspension due mm -hmm. to um, due to rumored alleged gambling but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give I'll give another one that I've um, uh, that I've heard and I I would wouldn't shock me it is that um, when the uh, when the um, was it. Ravens played the 49ers. The lights went out in New Orleans Superdome. I've heard the rumors were put in place to create artificial comeback. That's what I've heard. I've heard rumors. That's why the lights were shut off in Superdome during Super Bowl to cut momentum from what it was the Ravens in that game. So, I mean, wouldn't I mean? Of course, conspiracy not confirmed, but that would be an interesting one if the league was manipulating their, their biggest game of the year 
to manufacture a comeback by the 49ers. Interesting. Interesting. It's it's tricky to define conspiracy because there's a lot of hockey rumors that I really enjoy, um, but I couldn't call them conspiracies. Um, There's some very fun ones about NHLers uh, dating lives, which are super none of my business, but some of them are like, yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) Um, But um, I certainly couldn't call that a conspiracy. Uh, I, I don't know. Like even I've always had a hard time buying the Michael Jordan one because why would the commissioner of the NBA voluntarily give like lose Michael Jordan for a year? But I do get that his gambling was out of control. Uh, one of my favorites, not a conspiracy theory, but just one of my beliefs is that uh, Michael Jordan was a net negative for humanity because he was such an asshole and made being <laughs> ah. people people credit oh you know he was such a good player because he's such a dick he's driven away like everyone from his life he's just like bad relationships with pretty much everybody who's not charles barkley don't be like michael jordan michael jordan should be a frightening cautionary tale um but uh because he was also one of the best athletes of the century uh people like no yeah being a jerk that's the secret to success like lots of people achieved great success without being just an incredible jerk. And also there's lots of people who are pathologically competitive who weren't blessed with incredible genetics. And it, all it did was ruin the lives of themselves and their family members. Um, that's what usually happens to people who act like Michael Jordan. So I don't like the behavior that he modeled and made popular. Uh, I think it was bad. I think it would have been better if there was no Michael Jordan. I refuse to watch his stupid self-serving documentary, which he produced. And I refuse to watch that stupid movie about Nike because um, Nike is also debatably bad, even though uh, I think it's made by some very talented people who typically make things I enjoy quite a bit. But uh, screw Michael Jordan, screw Nike. That's not a conspiracy, but I at least got to go on a rant. Um, Megan, do you have any conspiracy theories you'd like to share? Well, I, I mean, the Michael Jordan one is always really interesting to me because there, it is... I agree with you. Like, why would the commissioner give up Michael Jordan for a year? But like, ultimately, yeah, if, if the rumors are true and his gambling problem was what it was, then you had to punish him somehow. Right. And so rather than suspending him, it's like, Hey, why don't you retire? Uh, and then you can come back in a year. Um, it makes sense to me. I, I don't know that it's like, would have been the best solution, but it makes it, it I find it at least like plausible. Um, I don't really know about like sports conspiracy theories so much. I mean, like you hear stuff every once in a while that there's like in like other sport, not so much in like in the big four, like team sports, but in individual sports, like you'll hear every once in a while that like they don't believe that that there's people who like, oh, no, that's a body double playing for so and so. And it's like, what are you fucking talking? There's no possible way that that's true. Like people are just I think people are insane, um, generally speaking. But like, I think that the I think that the sports conspiracy theories um, that were always the most interesting or like the rumors and stuff are the ones that ended up becoming true. Like I remember back when Lance Armstrong was like doing his thing. Um, people were like, you know, he wins his like first three or whatever. And then it's like, mm, I don't know about this. Like there was just, there was just this weird like question of like, I don't know if, I don't know if this is like a hundred percent legit, but nobody really like gave much stock to it. It's like, this seems weird. Cause all of a sudden here he is winning everything and then it comes out later that yes of course he uh he cheated right and like i just i find that some of those allegations to be really interesting i do think and i think that this is like out of time ultimately because we're talking about like soviet era sports i do really like the discussions of like east german 
female athletes uh, from oh, yeah. the Soviet times. I think that that's really interesting. Um, and it's not a conspiracy theory. I'm very certain that they were all write it up. Like, that's not a conspiracy in any way, shape, or form. But I would, it would be really interesting to look at the hormone levels of some of those female athletes uh, in comparison to um, athletes now, like athletes like Castor Semenya and whatnot, and just sort of look at where their testosterone levels are in comparison to um, female athletes who overproduce testosterone. I'd be very curious to know kind of where they sit on those spectrums um, more than anything. I'm not not saying that the East Germans didn't absolutely fix things because they did, um, but I'd just be curious to know where that sits based on what our like ideas of acceptability are now. I I would even say I think that still remains very uh, live and interesting, and uh, I think it's a much trickier issue than most people do. Like I get the impression that most people who have an opinion on that kind of thing seem to think it's very clearly one thing or the other. And I think that there are quite a few ins and outs. And the fact that you're totally right, the East German team was definitely for real cheating. Um, and But like what that means, how do we define fair play? What is it we're really doing here? I think it gets at some actually very genuinely interesting uh, questions about sports and what they're for and what we want out of them. No, it's true. And I will say, I've remembered, I think we've had this conversation before, and I remembered my answer then, and I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I think Neil Yakupov lied about his age. I think the reason why he dominated junior is because he was a year older. There's no evidence for this. This is very xenophobic uh, based on the fact that a lot of people are like, blah, 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 they lie over there in Russia. Uh, so I'm probably a bad person for thinking this, but it really explains his entire career how it seemed like, well, he's way better than everyone in junior and then was not good in the NA. And also, I know a lot of Oiler fans, like I heard Low Tide, who I respect deeply, say, like, I was never the same since that collision with the ref. And there's all these explanations for why he didn't turn out. He was not actually that good in his rookie year. He scored 19 goals, but it's because he was getting first unit power play time. And he did have a great shot. But until he got really hot under Todd Nelson at the end, he was not having an exceptional rookie year. Um, and he was never good again and never good again anywhere. And it wasn't especially good when he went back to Russia. As soon as he was playing adults, he suddenly became like really mediocre at best. We never saw very many flashes of like one of the best junior scorers of all time for his age. So it would just explain everything. If there was a little birth, <laughs> which used to happen all the time in baseball, by the way. Um, people coming from uh, other countries who were just like, oh, if I change my birth certificate. And Dick Kimby Mutombo was widely rumored to be a lot older than he said he was. But then he played till he was in his 40s anyway, so who knows? Um, that, that's very true. People, people thought Manute Bowl was old. People thought Manute Bowl was 50 years old playing the NBA because Manute Bowl didn't look 23. <laughs> yep. Or what about the frozen envelope to get the Knicks Patrick Ewing? My favorite uh, part of that is you could argue they would have been better off without Patrick Ewing. Uh, well, that is a take. I don't know. I don't know. Because he was like, the franchise Ewing's center. He, he's like a Hall of Famer, and he's retired now, so people no longer use the term. But in the early 2000s, uh, Bill Simmons, the sports guy, uh, got a term going, which was very popular for a while, known as the Ewing Theory. 
which was when a team or anything, sometimes some cases it was a TV show, when there is a star who everyone clearly agrees that person is the best player, but because they're the best player, the team just kind of gets built around them in a certain way, and then they miss some time, and you're like, hey, wait a minute, this team's actually better without their star. And it was named the Ewing Theory after Patrick Ewing, and he certainly took up uh, a lot of money in press. And I mean, there, we could certainly look at lots of NHL examples. Um, Megan has uh, argued a few times that the Oilers are a great example. Now the team who got what they wanted and it was the worst thing for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a fair point. I think, um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, a conspiracy theory that I'd like to go with is that the NHL rigged uh, this draft lottery. I'd like uh, to believe that. I don't. I mean, I don't they, they probably they probably didn't, but I want to believe that because, like, in the just world, the Blackhawks would have been allowed to have a first round pick this year. Um, but anyway, what do I know? I have a hard time believing that because if the NHL is rigging stuff, I don't think McDavid would be an Oiler right now. But I'm not saying that they rigged them on. I'm just saying this particular one that they wanted the Blackhawks to win the draft lottery. Um, I'll add, you know what? I think I'm even a little bit skeptical on that because I think everyone who isn't a Blackhawks fan spit on the ground when that happened. And I don't think yeah. the there's a lot of teams they could have rigged it for that would have also been good. That wouldn't have led to people uh, saying, hey, you know, the Hawks uh, covered up a sexual assault and uh, we hate the Hawks and et cetera, et cetera. They could have sent them somewhere. If they were going to rig it, um, I, I would have rigged it to Montreal if I was the league or even Vancouver. Um, I guess you could say, no, no, they want to rig it for sure for an American team. Well, you want to get that Columbus Blue Jackets franchise going? Here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I, but I, I just think make a lot of money off Hawks, but uh, I, I don't know. I might be wrong. I'm probably thinking more with my heart than my head because I spit on the ground. I, I'd stayed before I wanted Bedard either to Arizona or Anaheim with the Ducks, one of those two teams, Cody or Anaheim. But like, yeah, the, the rigging thing to me was seems, I don't know, but because why would you want to rig? I, I mean, I know Chicago is a cash cow, but right now outside of Chicago, like Steven said, the Blackhawks brand, the org is, is mud. Like no one wants, no one wants them to succeed. No one wants them to do well. People think the Blackhawks are a pain suffering for the next hundred years, which they do as an organization because quite frankly, I've said before on different shows, the Hawks should have been banned from the draft, like full on banned. You can't pick anybody for the next two years. That should be a real punishment, not just a, a first round ban. But it's like, in terms of PR, if it, 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 it was rigged in terms of PR, why would you rig it to a team in which everybody thinks is awful and will not support him on Chicago? Like, that's the wrong team if you're going to rig it to anybody. Like, yeah, you want to rig it to Columbus? Fine. You want to rig it to uh, an LA, uh, Montreal? Cool. But of all Team Chicago, with the amount of crap here already coming their way, it's like, oof. Well, to I basically agree with you, but I will say that uh, just to be fair to the idea that they might have been happy that it went to Chicago, most people aren't on Twitter. And when we're on Twitter, it's very easy to uh, forget that that's a minority, a way bigger minority of people because, mo- A, most people just don't have a Twitter account. And then of the people who are on Twitter, like 10% of the people do 90% of the posting. So, uh, yeah, Twitter is just not a good representation of um, society. And I think there's lots of people who don't even – lots of casual hockey fans who don't even know about why some people hate the Hawks other than, yeah, they've been winning a lot lately, so I'm sick of seeing them. But, you know, they just kind of roll their eyes and go, we're just hating the winners. Um, I don't know how many – 
non-hardcore fans uh, hate the Hawks right now. Yeah, that's. I think that's probably a fair point. Um, yeah. Okay. That that works. Um, do we have any other sportsy things to talk about? No, I think that's it. And there haven't been any uh, recent uh, big news. I think it's cool what you just said. I hope Carlson goes to the Penguins. That would be neat. I think that would be amazing. I think it would be very fun. Um, like I said, for just a whole bunch of reasons. Um, okay, I have a question. We've kind of talked about it before with casting uh, movies with Muppets, but keeping one live action character. Um right. I was just so I anyway, I have like a list of questions. It's like questions to ask friends or whatever. Um which television show would you recast with just like people off of the street, but keep one of the main actors in the show? Okay, so just a bunch of randos. Just a bunch of randos, and they can act, it's fine. Like, we don't have to worry about the quality of stuff or whatever. But you're going to keep one of the actors that's in the show, and everybody else is going to be, like, an unknown. And maybe they make a career out of it, maybe they don't, doesn't matter. But it's somebody that's, like, never been in anything before. What's the show that you're going to recast? Um, Interesting. And I'll tell you why why I'm thinking about this. I'm in the middle of like doing a bunch of work, school work and whatever. And I like to have shows on in the background when I'm working and I had some Seinfeld on the other day and it was the episode that was on, I think it was yesterday, the day before was the episode where they were casting people for the pilot of Jerry. Um, And it just kind of like, it's all these people that like, I mean, it's old enough that like, you know, some of these people were relative unknowns at the time. And they've obviously gone on to like make a career out of things like Mariska Hargitay uh, was one of the, one of the people and you know stuff like that and i just think it's really interesting and so it got me thinking about um about that who would you who do you because re- i mean the show jerry on on seinfeld jerry's in it himself and he admits very well that he cannot act which is true um but it's just it's just funny to me that there's like this show that he's made about his life and he's he's the title character so that was what i got thinking about so what's the show that you would recast um huh I, I think I would that. recast the full house, but I would keep uh, the twins as the baby. Oh, yeah, actually, that would make sense. Like, I think that would be super fun. Um, they were the they were the stars. There's a reason why they're billionaires and everyone else is someone that you vaguely remember. It's true. Um, Avery, any thoughts? I mean, the Wire was the best, arguably the best show of all time, and there weren't any stars in it, but they were, all the actors were good. That's the mm-hmm. thing. Is most of them have not gone on to fame or fortune since then, but they were all good, like good to incredibly good in the show. Uh, who would I recast? Uh, Maybe I would go with the Muppets and just use regular Muppets, but keep Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> just like your your ba- your background like Muppet extras. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You know. All right. Uh, hmm. Who would I? Oh, I, I got I got I got a good one. I would recast around people that '70s show, but keep Red Foreman um, in the same same role. It'd be funny seeing turn around people and put my, put my foot up in your ass and to regular, to regular mm-hmm. person. I think it'd be, be very funny. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's kind of what happened when they made that 90s show because all those kids are like completely unknown. And Red yeah. Foreman is still an excellent television character. Yeah, he's my dad's favorite TV character. Really speaks um, to him. Yeah. It's just, well, it's like Robert California on The Office, right? Great character, travel person. Love it. Um, it's, the, it's the same thing. But it was just, yeah, one of those things I was thinking about is watching this like show inside this show, a show about nothing inside a show about nothing. And I was like, hmm, who do we, who do we cast uh, in this TV show? Um, anyway. um, I don't think I have anything else. Does anyone else have a question? No, I'm just I'm looking at the Oilers cap friendly page now. They start with, <laughs> they've got five point six million dollars in cap space, which is pretty good. And they've got to sign Ryan McLeod and Evan Bouchard. And they said they're probably going to well, they straight up said they're going to bridge him. Um, so if they didn't bridge him, then they would have to find the money somewhere. Like I will give them this. I don't like the Brown deal. But there is a huge upside to it, and that's this season. Um, it, it saves them a bunch of money. Actually, I shouldn't even say a bunch of money. It probably saves them like a million dollars. But um, it, it saves them at least some money. So they got Connor Brown. It looks like he's really cheap this year. Um, and so I will admit that if they didn't do what they did with uh, Brown, they would have had to find the money somewhere. Um Possibly some combination of Kulak, CC, Campbell, and um, Fogel would all probably have to go. Uh, or not all, but some combination of those people would have to go if you want to keep McLeod and uh, Bouchard, which would definitely be tough. But I still just can't believe they gave Connor Brown $4 million. Even though I'll, I have to admit I see the argument for it, I just don't think it wins. That's That's just too much money. You're borrowing from the future. Basically, they borrowed $3.25 million from next year to pay $1.25 million this year. And, um, man, are they ever hoping that the cap shoots up and Brown has a great season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be pretty tough. I saw someone tweet. I don't remember who it was in my Twitter. Um, I'm rate limited, so I can't look at anything anymore. Um, but someone said earlier that basically if uh, the cap only goes up a little bit, you know, like $2 million or $3 million instead of sort of the predicted, yeah. uh, then the others are going to be absolutely hooped again. Yep. yep. Oh, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to uh, mention the PWHPA literally eating the PHF and telling their oh, players, yeah. Oh yeah, you're all gone by the way. And, and your teams, we're going to change your team name and relocate and relocate your teams. Wow, that's yeah, a, that's a deal. whole disaster. <laughs> like I, I've never, I mean, People said it was a merger. It's it's not a merger. It is the PWHPA buying out the PHF, folding the PHF, and what's coming up from other reporters who are more tapped in and saying that they're going to fold one team for a six-team league, and they are considering relocating teams in Boston, Connecticut, and Buffalo, which have been the more successful and most popular teams in all women's hockey, which to me is absurd. Well, it seems... Because, okay, so the thing that I don't get is that the PHF, um, a bunch of players had just, they, they had just, like, agreed on, like, uh, you know, new salary caps and, like, mm -hmm. higher max salaries and all this kind of stuff. And I was reading something yesterday. I think it was Ian Kennedy uh, was tweeting some stuff. And I was reading about how some of these women who they decided, okay, you know what, I just graduated from college. I'm going to sign. I'm going to play pro hockey for, like, a year or two or whatever. They've, like, foregone jobs. They've they've said no to jobs in their fields that they've gone to school for and all this kind of stuff with the expectation that they'll be playing hockey and being able ultimately to make a living playing hockey. Um, and now 
they're basically told, sorry, uh, that choice you made was a bad one, ultimately. Like there's and they they can't do anything about it. Like it is it is wild to me that now there's contracts, the PTF contracts are going to be voided. I know players are going to still get a level of a level of prolonged uh, healthcare, but the fact that yeah, these players, they're players who sign deals. Some players sign six-figure deals with the PHF. They're not voided, and they've now been told essentially, yeah, you can come and try out for a PWHPA roster. Which to me, like, if I if I if I was a European player, you sign one of these big deals, I would say, screw that, I'm going home. I'm going to go back and play in the European leagues because why would you want to do, why would you want to deal with your contract being voided and then being told you try you try it again for a team in this new league. Why would I do that? Whoa. Um, sorry. To, it looks like Miles Wood is getting six years from the end. That's bizarre. Uh, but yeah, no, that sucks. I can't imagine there's um, much more frustrating than having a long-term deal and just being told, nope, yoink, you don't. Yeah, yeah. And it, you're right. It's not a merger. It's an acquisition, right? And so like, if it was a merger, it's like, hey, we've figured out a way we can blend these two together. This is what's going to happen. That's fine. Um, but the fact is that they've like taken these PHF teams, dismantled them, basically avoided the contracts, you know, and it's not just the players. Like there's team staffs that have lost their jobs, right? There's, there's social media managers and there's trainers and there's front office staff that have lost their jobs um, because of this. And it was like, I don't know if people knew this was coming. I don't know if I would imagine that the PHF had no idea what was going on because if they did, I don't know if they would have made all of these changes and done all this like contract stuff. But I just, I think it's really, really shitty. And it sucks because these women that are trying to make a living playing the sport that they love, that's all they're, that's all they're trying to do is just trying to make a living, right? Without having to work another job, without having to, you know, play hockey and like, um, you know, then drive hours back home so you can go to work the next day and teach or you know be a nurse or a doctor or whatever it is that that you've got going on like trying to just make a genuine living playing sports just like the men can um it seems baffling to me that every time there seems to be progress then it's also like 19 steps back let's go back to where we were in 2002 yeah that's a wild situation yeah, it really is. It's uh, it's unfortunate. It's something that we will, you know, maybe uh, keep tabs on a little bit. I think I read that the the um, games will sort of, or will start again in like early January uh, rather than in the fall. So like we'll see what happens there, I guess. Um, but yeah, it means that a bunch of people, a bunch of players, are now out of work because there's only going to be six teams, and uh, that's pretty crappy. I have uh, nothing to add but sympathy to that. Well, um, I think is that that's all we been, got. That's been a fortnight of hockey. Tune in next time to hear us talk about everything that happened after we stopped recording today. Um, let's make let's make a prediction here. What's the craziest thing that's going to happen after we hit stop on this? I'm trying to think. There's not like a huge UFA crop, um, so I don't think anyone's going to get like. Dmitry Orlov was probably the best dude. He got a lot of money, two two years. So as I keep yammering on about, no such thing as a bad short term deal. Um, who, who the craziest thing that's probably it's going to involve Eric Carlson. I don't think the Penguins have a ton of prospects, so I'm guess that means they're not asking the Sharks to retain very much. I wonder. 
Let me just take a quick glance at the Penguins' uh, cap situation. It looks like they've got $14 million right now, but they're missing some forwards. Um, okay. I predict that the trade is just going to be Jeff Petrie for Eric Carlson. Ooh, interesting. And then the Penguins are just going to be like, nope, that's fine. We'll, we'll just take all $11 million. Okay. I just got a notification here that it looks like Nick Bukestad is going back to Arizona. So. I guess nobody wanted Nick Bukestad. I guess not. Uh, Avery, any predictions for what's going to happen after we hit stop on this? After we hit stop. I was, I was going to say, um, I know you're talking about only about free agency. You wanted crazy. I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, in terms of the crazy NHL news, get off the podcast. We're going to hear. NHL expanding to Atlanta again <laughs> for next season. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting crazy, but <laughs> that would be a little bit insane. And you know what? If it happens, then I'm going to ask you for some lottery numbers. So uh, that's great. Hey, I mean the 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 wins we keep hearing about uh, building in Atlanta. We keep hearing about the future. I mean, I I firmly I firmly believe we will get Atlanta Part Three in the NHL. It's going to happen. I firmly believe we will get that. Yeah, the Atlanta Coyotes are going to be starring real soon. <laughs> the Atlanta, who they're, I'm, I'm telling you, Stephen, I'm telling you, I, I will, I will say it right here. The Coyotes will be playing in Arizona in 2025. They will not relocate. I mean, you certainly may well be right. Gary <laughs> Bettman clearly is incredibly committed to this idea. So, uh, hey, good, good on him. I don't, I don't cheer for relocation. Uh, or sorry, Arizona is just at the point where like someone has to want you to play there, and um, mm -hmm. I guess we'll see. I do think that team is uh, just uh, very well set up. I don't like every single move that they make, but um, I like most of them. I think they've got a very good GM. Yeah, that seems fair. Um. Our next episode, we don't know when exactly it will be. It might be next week. We'll see. Uh, but we will, just because this is, again, very last minute, we have to organize it ahead of time because we would like to get one or two of the guys from the website on to talk about some stuff. So we actually have to, like, make the plan. So you may hear from us sooner than two weeks from now. Um, or maybe not. We'll see what happens. Well, that sounds terrific. All right. Condolences, um, Leaf fans. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, hey, you know what? If you have the chance to send Ryan Reeves for three years, why wouldn't you? You know what? Maybe I'll use the, my last breath on this, not on this world, but on this uh, episode to roll it back a little bit that I, I still really don't like uh, the what the Oilers did with Brown today. Looking at the roster, it's, it's still pretty good. I see what they're doing. They're probably going to bridge uh, Bouchard and McLeod, and then they'll just enter. And even if they do that, they actually probably have space for another $1 million bet, which, hey, who knows? Maybe it'll be Jonathan Tapes. I think that'd be neat. Um, and that would be fine, but I just think that there were A-plus moves here. Like, even if you want to say the, that Holland made a bunch of B moves, you can win with some B moves, but there are A-plus moves available, and he never seems to aggressively pursue those. And um, it's it's frustrating. Yeah, let's go so there. I uh, tempered my criticism a little bit, but I very much stand by uh, the slightly moderated version that I just gave. Sounds good. Thank you. Avery, any last words? 
Any last word? I'll just say if you if you aren't tweet rated yet, if you aren't limited by your tweets yet, follow me on the Bird app while it still exists at AVRY. There you go. Follow Avery before it's too late. Yeah, don't follow me though. I don't have anything good. Don't follow Megan. It will never be too late. <laughs> you, I would like you to follow me, but I'm not going to tell you how. But do follow. When we tweet this out, if you can read it on the rig account, I'll put his at in there, and then you'll know. Oh, yeah, that's, that's all right. Well, follow <laughs> me literally. I want you to follow me in life. I uh, just moved. Track down my new home and just follow me around. That's what I would like the fans to do. Make me feel special. All right. Uh, goodbye.